Everyone has an opinion when it comes to having a baby and raising kids. Just get the epidural. There's no prize for doing it natural. In my day, we just let the baby cry until they settle themselves down. Have you tried sage oil? And so many more comments, most of them unsolicited. Welcome to the Birth and Parenting Things podcast. My name is Kim, and I've got opinions too. I'm kind of an expert on birth. I've also managed to raise three babies into young adults. I'm here to offer evidence-based information, stories, personal experiences on birth, parenting, and everything in between. So let's do this. Hello and good day, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however or whenever you listen to this. How are you doing? How are you doing in this pandemic? I'm not going to lie. It's been a rough couple of weeks for me. I think it's getting to the point in this pandemic where I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. I'm done looking after people. I am done never being alone. My ex picked up the kids to take them to the dentist and the house was empty for like two, three hours. Oh my God, it felt like heaven. I was going to actually do some recording so that, you know, I actually had a quiet house. But honestly, all I did was sit on my ass and play Stardew Valley and watch TV. That's it. Oh, and I got McDonald's for dinner because (laughs) I'm not cooking. And it was glorious. Unfortunately, since the pandemic, my kids used to go to their dads on a regular basis. He used to see them like two, three times a week. Since the pandemic, I think, honest to God, I think they've only been out of the house maybe eight times in the last year and the last 14 months. It's exhausting. Um, so I, I mean, this is how exhausting it is. When I got, I can't remember if I mentioned this last week, I've got COVID brain. My brain has totally, or not COVID brain, I've got pandemic brain. So last couple of weeks ago, I got the COVID shot and I was so hoping, I was all geared up and planned for having side effects. I'd heard so many people, chills and fever and body aches and all of that stuff. And I planned for that. And then I didn't get it. And I was actually disappointed because I didn't have a reason to do nothing. I didn't have a reason to sit on my ass and do nothing. Even when I am sort of sitting on my butt doing nothing, looking like I'm just on my phone, I'm answering emails. I'm, you know, talking, uh, you know, labor and baby stuff through with my clients. I'm messaging with clients. I'm messaging with other doulas. It's not like I'm sitting there doing nothing. My brain is still going 800,000 miles an hour. The only time it's not doing that is maybe when I've got my switch in my hand. So honest to God, best purchase I ever made. Anyways, so 
yeah, I did not get that. I didn't get the ability to just sit in bed and be sick. I was actually wanting to sit in bed and be sick. I mean, that's how awful this all is. And then you get the people that you look after. And I hope to God my children don't hear this. But I literally feel like I'm completely being taken advantage of. Like everything I do is completely unappreciated. I spent yesterday, I spent five hours on in on the computer or actually on my phone on on the COVID portal to get my sons their um, uh, vaccines. Five hours because I had to do one and then not realizing that because I'm an idiot, not realizing that I couldn't do two at once. I didn't, my one son who is uh, an essential worker working in a, in a restaurant, I did him first and then was like, that was it. I was done. And I thought, oh, now I got to do this whole thing over again. So another two and a half hours. So it was a total of five hours of sitting on my phone. And every time my phone rang, I thought if I get kicked out, I'm literally going to kill whoever's on the end of this phone. And it happened to be my elderly uncle who I look after. So when he called the first time, I said, you know, I'm just, I'm just quickly tell me what you need. Cause I'm just in the middle of trying to get the boys their vaccine shots. And I'm like on, I'm on in a queue and I'm sure he didn't get it because you would think at that point then, oh, well, I won't call again. No, he called four more times in the five hours that I was waiting. Literally, there are days I don't hear from him, except the one day that I'm on my phone. And of course, I do have a landline, but nobody seems to want to use that. Now, thankfully, I didn't get kicked out because I swear to God, if I had, I'd have jumped in my car and driven away. I and said, you know what, somebody else can deal with this. And in all of this, I've got teenagers that are growing up, I've got, you know, my one daughter's 16, I've got a 19 year old and a 21 year old. And there are things since this has all started, or even in the last few years that haven't been done and should have been done, but I can't do it by myself. They don't know how to drive. I can't take them out to drive. I mean, I did. And then it just stressed me out. And then I thought, and then the one year I thought, well, fine, I'll just buy them driving lessons, even though I can't really afford it. I'll just buy them driving lessons because I can't do this anymore. And they need freaking driver's licenses. And then the pandemic hit. And it's like, oh my God, shoot me now. But I sit there and I think, you know, this is something their dad should be doing with them, but that's not what's happening, but whatever. Being a care provider during this pandemic is exhausting. It is underappreciated. You are 100% underappreciated. There are people in my life that just keep taking and taking and taking and sucking the life energy out of me. And I got, and I got nobody to fall back on 
as a single mom, I have nobody to fall back on. I have no partner. Even technically, my friends aren't really all that helpful. I don't have a lot of friends, but that's okay. I mean, that's, I do a podcast alone. Of course, I have no friends. Um, but it's exhausting. There's nobody, I called my mom yesterday to, after all of this, to bitch and complain about, you know, how long it was taking me to get the COVID appointments or the vaccine appointments, how, you know, how my uncle had called me, you know, a bunch of times. And even though I am the one person who she calls to bitch and complain to, when it was my turn to actually put it back to her that I needed help and support, all I got was, well, if you need the boys, if you need me to take the boys to their appointments, I can do that. All right, I got to go. Talk to you later. Bye. I'm sorry, what is happening here? I called you because I needed to talk to you. Honest to God, it feels... I mean, when I started, I joked in the beginning about the, with, with this pandemic, I joked in the beginning, like, oh, great, I get to spend time at home. I get to be alone. I get to, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's not quite so exciting anymore, to be quite honest. But what are you going to do? So if you are having a baby during the pandemic and you're scared and you're tired and you're worried I see you. If you are home with your new infant and you are overwhelmed and you have no support, I see you. If you are the parent of a toddler and you are home and you don't know what to do because you can't get out, you can't go to the mommy and me classes, you can't go to the, you know, the zoo and all these other things that you would normally do with your kid. I see you. If your children are home and going to school online and you're overwhelmed and your Wi-Fi is stretched to the limit and it's costing you a fortune to keep them in the technology that they need to actually get an education, I see you. If you are going out and working and having to leave your kids in a daycare where you are concerned about COVID, I see you. This is all overwhelming and all crazy. And I get the immense amount of mental health issues we currently have. I see you. I'm there with you. I understand. Please, 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 if you are struggling in all of this, especially because it's gotten to a point where we are all just so worn out and worn thin. We had hope. We had, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. And then, of course, with the Ontario government, they messed that up. And we were back to, you know, over 4,000 cases a, a day. And our ICUs are overwhelmed and our nurses and our doctors are overwhelmed and you know adults are being sent to children children's hospitals and the ICUs in children's hospitals because there's no space and loved ones are being sent to hospitals you know far from them because that's where there's space for them and dying alone yeah this sucks and I hope to God that 
we can turn this around. I hope to God that we can get to a point where we aren't seeing 4,000 cases a day. In fact, I just looked it up today, which I really should stop doing. I actually have stopped watching the news because, let's be honest, it's terrifying. I used to watch the morning show in the morning on CTV. And it's just too much anymore. I now watch the Food Network. I watch the Food Network 24-7 now because it's just food. <laughs> it's all food. Nobody's telling you bad things. Um, so, yeah, so I looked it up today and we were at 27, almost 2,800 um, cases today. So that's good. So that's in the right direction now. I don't know what will happen tomorrow. It might be 5,000. Who knows? But we really need to get a handle on this because I just don't think we can do this anymore. So let's see what else that that's first on my list. I have a, I have a stick note with a list of all the stuff I want to talk about. And the first one is COVID sucks. So check that off. Um, the next one is Weight Watchers. It's kind of on hold at the moment. Um, I did get to where I wanted to be my, in my first goal, but get, reaching that second goal has proven to be a little bit of a challenge because comfort eating and eating my feelings and, you know, actually being able to move forward in my life where I'm not sort of focused on food. Um, yeah, it's kind of being put on the wayside. So I'm all right with that. I'll I haven't, I certainly haven't gained back a ton of weight. I've only gained back maybe a pound or two. So that's fine. I'll get there. I'll try again. Um, and it's okay. <laughs> the world isn't going to stop turning if I eat a bowl of Doritos. Anyways, so we'll get back to that at another time. And I'm not going to feel guilty about it. I'm not going to feel guilty about it. I need, I need something. So that's it. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't smoke. I don't do anything. That is the vice that I have. So yeah, I'm good with it. I'll, I'll get back to where I was before. And besides, as long as I can move, as long as I am, my blood pressure is good. As long as I can do the things that I want to do, then I'm good. So the whole point of, or the whole topic for today was going to be, or is going to be sort of how Hollywood gets it wrong. Uh, when it comes to birth, I, talk a lot in my prenatal classes about um, how we've really been sort of conditioned into the way birth is supposed to be based on what Hollywood has told us birth is supposed to be. And I'm not going to lie, when I first became a doula, and, and granted, I'd had three kids at this point, so I, I knew the process of it. But when I became a doula, I, you know, I still had in my mind the Hollywood version of birth. And to be completely honest, and I know I've never, I know I've said I'd may share this story, but I'm not sure that I will. My first birth story was traumatic, um, as I've mentioned. And then my second birth was very, very uneventful. It was like 100% not the Hollywood version of what I expected birth to be like. And I'm not going to lie. I was actually a little disappointed. I didn't have a crazy birth story to tell. It was it was what I actually strive as a doula for people to have is a good, calm, uneventful birth. 
And I remember when I was a doula, the first maybe 10 births or something, the births that I attended were and supported were uneventful. I mean, and they were good. They were good births. And I remember thinking, is what is wrong? I, I, I felt like it was something that was wrong. And that's actually not the way it's supposed to be. And then I realized that, you know, it didn't match that sort of Hollywood um, TV movie version of what we expected birth to be like. Birth was, you know, fairly straightforward and, you know, baby was in, labor happened, comfort measures, maybe there was an epidural, things like that. And then baby was out, baby fed, and that was the end of that. But I kind of felt gypped that I didn't get the sort of drama and excitement and whatnot of birth. And I realize now that after, you know, looking at birth and turning it on its head and and digging around in it and seeing sort of what it was all about and, and, you know, the hormones and the body movements and baby's movements and, and everything that sort of happens in birth. Now I'm fascinated by it. I think it's, I think it's so incredibly cool. However, it's definitely not the Hollywood version of birth. And I'm happy to see actually that, um, I'm happy to see that there is um, some change happening because I think, let's be honest, when we when we look at birth, you know, in older TV shows and older, even a year or so ago, there, a lot of it is crazy. A lot of it is um, screaming and emergencies and babies not doing well and or the mother not doing well or the birthing parent not doing well all of these things you know that are really sort of the scary terrifying things that have to do with birth when in reality we know that that's not necessarily true we know that emergencies really only happen in about one to two percent of all cases so of birth so really why is Hollywood constantly shoving that in our face? However, the last in the last month or so, there's been a couple of um, birthing topics and whatnot. One of them was uh, episodes on, um, I want to say Station 19, but I didn't watch it. I'll be completely honest. I was going to, but I didn't watch it. First off, I hate Station 19. I... I used to like, actually, I'm not a big fan of Shonda Rhimes, to be completely honest. Um, I don't like Station 19. And from what I heard in other birthing sort of uh, circles and whatnot, the the episode they had recently on birth was terrible. And of course, anytime there's a doula involved as well, we all are sort of made out to be, you know, hippie quinoa blowing freaks of nature where you know we don't sort of we we sort of look at birth in you know this kind of hippie 1960s you know acid trip and that's not really the way we work uh doulas are 100 and i'm i mean uh, maybe 90 percent not like that i'm sure there might be some doulas out there that are like that i don't happen to be one of them but I'm getting a little sick and tired of doulas constantly being shown to be, um, you know, these weirdos 
of the birthing world. When in reality, that's not really who we are. So as I say, I didn't watch this episode of Station 19, um, but the birthing community that I'm a part of were really sort of miffed and sort of really pissed off at the whole thing. So I can only imagine it was bad. I will be honest, as I say, Shonda Rhimes has a tendency to really overinflate things and blow things out of proportion and to the fact where I've actually stopped watching uh, Grey's Anatomy even completely because I'm so sick to death of her killing people off. Um... I think the last episode where they had killed off uh, Dr. DeLuca and it was really irritating to me because his storyline was really good because it did deal with mental health issues and it did deal with, you know, the, the issues of bipolar disorder and whatnot and how he was managing his life. But they also had this other character that was going to have a mental health sort of breakdown. But of course, you can't have, apparently on a, on a major television show, you can't have two people with a mental health issue. So she just got rid of one of them. Well, shut up. The whole world is full of people with mental health issues. Why can't we have more than one on, on a show? They could have helped each other. I mean, let me write this for you. They could have helped one another, but okay, whatever. Anyways, the next one was, um, so I got kind of, I got sort of really geared up towards um, uh, The Good Doctor, which again, I I kind of hate this show too. I used to like it, but now it's just annoying. So a few, a little while ago, they had an episode where somebody had come in uh, to the ER and she had been showing signs of preeclampsia actually like I instantly diagnosed that that's how (laughs) they're like oh my god I don't know what it is we have to run this test I'm like looking at this woman going okay this is what's happening this is what's happening it's preeclampsia do you even remember your OB rotation but anyways so it turned out that um she ended up having preeclampsia and she went upstairs you know got admitted blah 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 and then you know the the doctors who are, you know, part of the main storyline in The Good Doctor was like delivering the baby and whatnot. And I thought, you're in an entirely large, massive metropolitan hospital. Where the hell are the OBs? Where the heck, why isn't this person in labor and delivery? Why aren't they in the obstetrical unit? Why aren't they in a, the gynecological unit? Where are the actual doctors who are supposed to be doing what they're doing? But no, that didn't fit the narrative. So whatever. Um, so that completely blew things out of proportion because these people were completely out of their depth in what they were doing. Just because you're a surgeon doesn't mean you're a good OB, especially if you don't deal with pregnant people on a regular basis. I mean, come on, let's be reasonable. (sighs) Anyways, so then, uh, last week there was an episode of The Good Doctor, um, because, the character and his uh, living girlfriend are uh, having a baby. And again, I kind of stopped watching it. But when I heard that the whole main storyline was that the, the partner wanted to have a doula because her, uh, the doctor, the good doctor, can't even remember his name. And Sean, um, who is on the spectrum, was struggling in sort of giving her the comfort measures that she needed, um, including touch and, you know, that emotional sort of connection, which I get. 
But he was very resistant to it, thinking that it was unnecessary. And I'll be honest, doulas get this. Doulas get this quite a bit where, you know, the one partner, the usually the birthing parent wants to get a doula, but the partner doesn't want to have the doula there because they don't feel that it's necessary, um, that they're that they can do everything. I actually had a family doctor once tell my client or a potential client that she didn't need a doula um, because he was going to be there the whole time for her. Well, I'll call bullshit right there because that's not entirely true. The doctor will not be there the whole time for you. In fact, the nurses aren't even going to be there the whole time for you. So if you want somebody that's going to be there to actually physically help you and, you know, be there emotionally for you and talk to you and give you suggestions and things like that. That's not the nursing staff and it's not the OBs and it's not the family doctors either. And and I'm not saying that they're doing that, you know, because, you know, that's not in their job description. What I'm saying is that they usually have so much else on their plate that doing that sort of physical, emotional support isn't necessarily available for them to do. Would they like to? I mean, maybe they would, I'm sure. But there's always so much else that needs to be done, including charting and the, you know, the taking of the blood pressure and making sure that everybody's happy and healthy and all of that stuff. So you're not going to get that with, you know, your, your doctor or your nurse. And of course, with your partner, um, you know, unfortunately, nowadays in, um, in, in this pandemic, that is who you have. You have your partner with you. However, that doesn't mean that even if you are living in an area where you can't have a, an in-person uh, doula support in the hospital because they're limiting the number of people that are allowed in the unit uh, during the labor Again, there's always the virtual side of things and that can be, you know, not necessarily that hands-on support, but a lot of my job right now is actually helping and supporting families prior to going into labor and helping the partner um, learn how to be a doula almost. It's almost like a little mini doula course that we give the partner for those comfort measures and to have those conversations about what um, will help the birthing parent. And, you know, facilitating those conversations and being at the other end of the phone, even in the middle of the night to say, you know, this is what's happening. What can we do? You know, being that phone a phone a friend expert who can offer the best suggestions and, and things like that. And then even doing, you know, FaceTimes or WhatsApps or, um, you know, phone calls and whatnot to, you know, ask questions and talk and, and give some emotional support as well. So, you know, we get this kind of resistance all the time. Now, this could have been, um, this could have been a prime example on The Good Doctor where it had a, you know, again, sort of a hippie weirdo doula, you know, where they're like, oh God, we don't need that. We're all medical and blah, blah, blah. Well, okay. First off, no, <laughs> they didn't do that. So yay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, whoever does the good doctor, I, I appreciate that. Um, and Sean had spouted off that, you know, he understood the benefits of having a doula and he spouted off, you know, the statistics of having a doula where it lowers the chances of having a cesarean birth. It lowers the risks of needing other medical interventions and epidurals and all these things. So good for you. I appreciate that. And eventually, 
he did um, agree uh, to get a doula for her because that was something that she needed um, for her birth. So thank you. Maybe the tides are turning. Maybe enough doulas have written into, you know, the Hollywoods and, you know, tweeted enough about it to say, you know, hey, let's get this right. And then finally, the there was an episode last week also. It might not have been last week. I'm a little behind in my in my PVR. But there was a episode of New Amsterdam that uh, basically highlighted um, black birth in American hospitals. And yeah, we know that this is terrible. We know that the maternal health care uh, system in the United States and in Canada, even though we don't have statistics for it, because Canada doesn't, uh, Canada doesn't seek out or record race-based, um, statistics, but we can only assume rightly that it's the same as well, that, you know, being black and, or indigenous or Hispanic or any type of, uh, person with color giving birth in hospitals, is a very dangerous situation. And most times it's because you're not listened to and you're not, you know, your concerns are usually ignored. Your discussions on pain are usually, um, you know, poohooed because it's believed that you don't experience pain the same way, which is, again, more bullshit. Um, and I think this show this particular episode, you know, highlighted that very well. In fact, there was one uh, character who had a, who was basically in labor, but, you know, utterly was saying, you know, swearing up and down that they were not pregnant, that they were still a virgin and, and all of this stuff. And the psychiatrist or psychologist, I guess he's a psychiatrist, um, on the staff was, you know, obviously sensing that there was, you know, a mental health issue happening here where this particular character had been uh, sexually abused and had sort of blocked it out and was, you know, it was hidden in their brain and they, and they weren't acknowledging it. So the, the one doctor, the one white female doctor, uh, who was not a main character, um, was, you know, trying to call CAS and, and having this woman sort of restrained and, and things like that. And it was nice to see that, you know, there was somebody that was stepping up for this particular patient and actually listening to this particular patient and having their, their concerns discussed and acknowledged. And, you know, I see you. So, um, the other was a black woman who was having a VBAC. So that's a vaginal birth after a cesarean. And the, the way they're, I didn't realize this, but the way their sort of statistics worked, or I guess it's like a chart that you kind of look at and you plug in sort of information and it tells you the, the chances of success for VBAC. But one of the things that you would plug into this, and I don't know if we have this in Canada, to be completely honest, I'm not sort of a VBAC person, but um, one of the things that you plugged in was race. And, you know, she, as a result of that, she was not a candidate for VBAC. 
but she really, really wanted one. But nobody was listening to her and they were trying to, you know, almost forcibly give her a cesarean birth to the point where, and she was a, so the, the first patient that I just, that I talked about, she was a low income, you know, youngish black woman. This was an older black woman, a professional lawyer, and still not getting the respect that you know, she needed, we should be giving respect to anybody, regardless of their position, how much money they make or whatever. But, um, she, to the, she got to the point where she tried to leave. Like she was signing herself out of the hospital, um, against medical advice because nobody was listening to her. Nobody was giving her the, the, you know, the respect and, and the birth that she wanted. And she ended up sort of bleeding again, um, and going back to, into the hospital. And again, another doctor sort of spoke up the head of the doc, the, the head of the hospital, um, to say, you know, okay, well, somebody had said, you know, but because of this criteria, you know, she doesn't fit. And they, and he said, well, what if she was white? Would this criteria fit if she was white? And they said, well, yes. And he said, fine, then make her white. And I don't, that line kind of got to me. It was like, come on. And then of course it sort of, you know, blossomed out to, okay, well, we're going to change the system and we're going to do this and, and blah, 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 which is good. Now that's on a TV show. We need to make sure that that happens sort of in real life. But I think the one thing that really sort of highlighted for me during this, these particular shows was the one person who was standing up for the low income black woman, youngish black woman was a white man. The other person that was standing up for the older black lawyer, pregnant person was also a white man. Because we're still giving that sort of, I mean, it, it almost looked like highlighting sort of white saviorism. Does that make sense? I don't know. Um, I probably shouldn't be talking about this stuff. But anyways, it was like, oh, man, could we not just have these black women listened to and supported and, you know, get the birth that they want and not just because a white man says so? Anyways. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole at this point because, again, I'm having a day. But it's definitely something to think about. And I think it's something that we need to, you know, as a society, need to look at. We need to highlight. We need to speak up for. Um, and we need to make change in the birthing institutions that we have available to us. Canada is no different than, than the United States. So we can sit here in our, you know, great white North Canadian-ness and say that we're better, but we are not, unfortunately. Um, and in particular, I've seen, I've seen and read statistics on Indigenous birth that would make you want to cry. And if it was happening to you, you would be putting up a fight. So, you know, consider, look into, you know, do some research on what birth is like in Canada, in Ontario, in Toronto for black and indigenous identifying people of color. So anyways, that's all I'm going to say on that. Um, 
I think I'm not going to do a break. I'm just going to sort of go right into because it's one o'clock and I'm getting a bit of a headache and I also haven't had any food yet. <laughs> and I did just finish grocery shopping. So um, I finished grocery shopping. I have actually eaten. So what I did was when I, uh, when you go through the checkout and actually you don't do this anymore because I actually go through the, the self checkout because when you go through the regular checkout, they kind of throw all the groceries at you. And I don't have my kids to help me. I don't, I only, I go grocery shopping alone. They kind of throw the groceries at you down, down the thing and nobody helps you bag. And it's incredibly frustrating. And then there's somebody behind you sort of coming through and all their stuff is coming at you. And it's like, okay, I cannot, the stress level is too much. And I had already, I'd actually got earlier this week, um, Sunday night, what day is it? It's Tuesday. So Sunday night, um, notice I've got uh, stress hives. I've never gotten stress hives before. They weren't itchy or anything, but my arm was covered in red splotches. Um, that didn't make sense to me because I hadn't eaten anything different. I hadn't done anything different. I did go outside um, to mow the lawn, but that shouldn't have done it. I've done that most of my life. Um, but anyways, so I had just gotten rid of my sort of stress hives and I thought, oh my God, I'm not doing this again. So I go through the self-checkout and, uh, but in, because I don't go through the regular checkout anymore, if you want to grab a chocolate bar, <laughs> you actually have to go search it out. Um, so I did, uh, I did go searching out a chocolate bar that I ate in the car on the way home. And I only ate half of it though. The other half is still in the car, but that's what we do. That's what we as as the caregivers of our children, we go grocery shopping by ourselves as a break. We take the long way home. We drive super slow there. We drive super slow home. And we eat chocolate on the way home. And that's how we survive all of this crap. So I know people are like, oh, self-care shouldn't be going to the grocery store by yourself. Yeah, but you know what? Sometimes it is, and that's okay. So what I wanted to talk about uh, in sort of the parenting section was Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. So I'm releasing this tomorrow because today's Tuesday. I'm a little behind in my recordings. And Sunday is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to you. If you are pregnant and do not have a child... Happy Mother's Day to you. You have a kid. There is a child inside you. You just happen to be toting it around with you. It's not on the outside yet. So happy Mother's Day to you. And I hope that your partners and your families will give you the respect that you are due. Because while you are sitting there on Mother's Day having brunch or whatever, you are growing a human. And for those that already have children, if you have babies, happy Mother's Day to you. You have a, probably a baby. Hopefully somebody will make you breakfast in bed. Hopefully somebody will take care of that baby for you for the day. And, and I say Mother's Day, but I do mean sort of happy birth parents day. Maybe we need to change the name of this day. Happy birthing parents day. Um, and if you have a toddler or teenagers and all of that, happy Mother's Day to you. Happy Birth Parents Day to you. And if you are a single birth parent, happy Single Birth Parents Day to you. Happy Mother's Day to you. 
I hope that your children will take care of you. I hope that they will make you food. I hope that they will not ask you of anything. I remember when my kids were little and I, my husband was still around and it used to be like, oh, what are we going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what I want? I want you partner to take the children and go away. <laughs> I want to have the breakfast in bed with the kids and I want to have the handmade cards and I want to have this loves and snuggles and bacon and all of that stuff. But then I want you to go away. I want you to take the children, take the dog, take anything that moves and go away. I want you to get out of the house. I want you to take them to the park and give me a damn break. That's what I want for Mother's Day. Do I want that still for Mother's Day? Oh, you're damn right I do. I will not be cooking on Mother's Day. I have bought food. Um, maybe we'll order in, uh, support some local small business. Um, I bought charcuterie stuff, uh, cheese and crackers and pate and all of that stuff that we will do as well. I bought bacon that my children can cook. Um, they better not make me a damn egg. It better be pancakes. I also have chocolate chips for those pancakes and, and, uh, what do you call syrup? So yeah, Somebody better be cooking for me. Somebody better be doing the dishes for me. Somebody better be taking care of everything for me because honest to God, I don't really want to leave. Oh, I will probably leave my bedroom though. My really nice TV is in the living room. I wish it was in my bedroom. Oh, well, never mind. Anyways, I hope that you have a great day on Sunday. I hope, and for those that are listening outside of Canada for those that are listening outside of the United States because I think I actually do have um, a couple of international listeners so how exciting is that I'm very excited I know that in Britain it is not Mother's Day you've had your Mother's Day already um, but in Canada it is Mother's Day and I don't know about other countries and whatnot I don't know if they have a, a day where they talk or they you know highlight the love and care of their birth parents um, and and sort of celebrate that anyways if you do um, and if it is the Sunday how awesome is that all right it's what are we at 42 minutes so that's cool I think that's enough I don't have any sort of pearls of wisdom uh, or education in this particular episode except for the fact that I see you and I hope that you are speaking up and getting the support that you need. And if you are not, scream louder until somebody will help you. And if you have enjoyed this, I really super appreciate uh, you rate, reviewing and subscribing to it so that you can get more episodes and that it gives me sort of that edge to keep moving forward and doing this. And if you have any topics you'd like me to talk about, if you have any uh, suggestions or stories you want to share, I would love to hear it. Um, you can email me at uh, things at gmail.com. And I hope you have an amazing week and I hope you have an amazing weekend. And I hope that this rain stops soon 
and remember to wear a mask. Remember to wash your hands. Remember to social distance, even if you are vaccinated. Um, vaccine is not a cure. It is only going to help minimize and reduce the symptoms that you have. So have a great one and we'll talk soon. Bye. Thank you.